welcome back for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Kaman. It's crazy to think that it is already December, that we are wrapping up 2023, wrapping up the two-year-old season. We'll talk a little bit about an exciting two-year-old today that's potentially going on to the Kentucky Derby Trail as a three-year-old in a month's time, less than a month on January 1st, all current two-year-olds in the the world of thoroughbred racing will turn three officially so we keep it consistent and that's when they'll really start to see the boys become the men so to speak and the girls become the women as far as the kentucky oaks and the uh, kentucky derby so such an exciting time and i'm looking forward to chatting it about it a little bit today on the show it'll be a theme of the next month and then of course a lot as we get into early 2024, that's going to take some getting used to, by the way, um, going on to those big three-year-old races. Before we get into today's guest, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. We're thrilled to be partnered with Qatar Racing. Qatar Racing is a subsidiary of Kipco the largest sponsor in British flat racing. As a global racing and breeding operation, Qatar Racing Chairman Sheikh Fahad bin Abdullah Al Thani has created an expansive international sponsorship portfolio that includes the Breeders' Cup and events like the Pegasus World Cup Turf. Qatar Racing has over 100 horses in training, many mares and foals and yearlings, and four top-class stallions. That's Cameco, Zeus Star, Havana Gold, and Lightning Spear. Don't miss out on the great Qatar racing action and learn more at inthemoneypodcast.com slash Qatar. We're also thrilled to once again be partnered with Gainsway Farm for 2023. Gainsway stands up-and-coming stallion McKenzie, who has been so exciting at some of the early sales so far this year. At Keeneland January, McKenzie produced the two highest-priced first crop yearlings at $250,000 and $220,000, well above the $145,000 Keeneland January sales average. Additionally, at Phasic Tipton February, McKenzie had the highest-priced first crop yearling at $200,000. Thousand. Don't miss out on your opportunity. For more information, visit gainsway.com. A big thank you to our sponsors and supporters. And with that, we'll get right into today's guest on In the Ring. Well, everybody, it's that time of year when we're looking ahead to these exciting two-year-olds as we come to the end of 2023 and thinking about what they could potentially accomplish in the next year as three-year-olds. And of course, leading up to that Kentucky Derby trail, we just had the Remsen and an exciting battle where Doorknock came out victorious. And I'm so happy to be joined now by co-owner Randy Hill, who's going to talk a little bit about uh, that exciting two-year-old with us and a lot of other things. But first of all, Randy, what a race we saw last week at Aqueduct. Well, I, I think it was the most amazing race I've ever seen. I've been going to horse races since I was 14. And I was just saying to some some people, you know, if we would have won the Remsen, that would have been great. Everybody would congratulate us, you know, get derby points. But the way that horse won, I must have got 50 to 60 emails and taxes. It looked like Sarah Leone, who was the runner-up, came running by, and it seemed that he was going to be the winner. And then all of a sudden, Doorknock kind of digging in and coming back. What's that feeling like watching and seeing your horse be so resilient? Because that's what you really want to see at this stage of the game, that they're able to overcome adversity. Well, you certainly want to see a horse with heart. And he showed a lot of that. And, you know, that, that gets him battle-tested. But... Your emotions are, are just crazy because, you know, we've got the lead and you're screaming for the wire and you look up and here, here, here comes that seven horse flying down and goes right by us. And I'm sure you know as well as I do, usually when a horse gets, horse gets, uh, gets by you like that, 
you know, you're, you're, you're done. In fact, mm-hmm. the announcement was saying, and, you know, Dornock is, is battling on, meaning battling on for second. And I talked to Louie after the race. I saw what happened. He said, look, I can't explain. I just tell you that that horse did not want to lose. He said, I can't tell you why. And he also got knocked into the rail yeah. as he was rallying back. So I've never seen anything like it, to tell you the truth. So you go from, you go from ecstasy to depression, back to ecstasy where everybody's jumping up and down and you, can't, you just can't believe it. So it's a hard, some emotions in less than 20 seconds. And, and obviously I know that Danny Gargan, his trainer had had really high hopes from him from the beginning. And it seemed like mentally he took a little time to kind of figure things out as well with pedigree being the full brother uh, to this year's Derby winner mage. It seemed like there was kind of pressure all along and maybe he's just one of those horses. He seems to be figuring it out more and more with each race. Well, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, you know, he, he, uh, we, we always thought he was going to be a good horse. I mean, you know, I saw him train up at Saratoga and, and you really felt you had a special one. And, you know, he ran his first race in the mud and finished second six furlongs. It was just a race we were getting him. He's not a six furlong horse. And, you know, then then even when he broke his maiden so convincingly, he didn't change leads until almost the, almost the wire. And uh, in the Remsen, he, he was on the wrong lead halfway down the stretch. I mean, he's figuring it out. Danny says he won that race. He's at 80%. And he is certainly getting better and better with every race. I think I think his best races are in front of him. Let's go back to the beginning a little bit. He was purchased as a yearling at the Keeneland September sale. And he has a nice pedigree, but that was before Mage even began racing. Can you talk a little bit about the journey from owning a horse that you know you have the full brother and watching that other one that's on the racetrack be successful? Well, like you said, when we bought him, we didn't know he was, he was, his full brother was going to win the was going to win the Kentucky Derby, but you know, like you, you know how it is. When you look at a horse, you like him, and you you you, you make your evaluation. You put your money up and you buy him. And then, then when his brother wins the Kentucky Derby, you go, you're like astounded how much how much luckier could you get? Of course, then we start getting calls uh, offering us uh, money, offers to buy in, buy into the horse. Uh, you know me a long time. I, I don't sell. I mean, I rarely sell. I've, I've sold once or twice. So, but you know, none of the other partners wanted to sell, and Danny was always high on this horse, and we just knew it was going to take a little time. But there was, there was never any doubt in my mind that Danny get him there. He's done a great job with the horse. He's got his roadmap planned out for us, and you know, obviously, we're we're thinking about the next race, but we're dreaming about the Derby. It's a, an exciting dream for sure. And, and uh, like you said, he, he's come along and kind of shown that he's up to the task. And um, tell me a little bit about the sale and the decision to buy um, what the horse that became Doorknock and you own him uh, with several other partners. And it just seems like a group that's really enjoying the ride. Well, I think any group that doesn't enjoy this kind of ride shouldn't be in the game. <laughs> so, um, you know, Danny bought the horse and I hadn't seen the horse and Danny called me up. And he said, he told me what the price was. And I said, if you can get a couple of partners, I'll go in for part of the horse. So Danny called me back and, and he, we, we didn't get as many parts as we want. So I, I took the majority of the horse at that point. So um, I was just relying on Danny. I, you know, da- Danny got, got me to the Derby with tax. I've got a lot, you know, we, we won the Jim Dandy with him. So I've got a lot of confidence in him. I've had a lot of success with him. And so you know, I'm, I'm a, patient, a patient owner. So when we were taking our time. As long as, when I, as long as Danny was still confident, when I saw him work out, I was pretty confident. So, you know, you, you know how the game goes. If you get a good one, you want to keep him. 
And you and I were talking before we came on about, you know, some of the luck, but I think um, the the investments that you've made and, and the trainers you've employed and the success you've had on the racetrack, of course, thinking back to Vacoma a couple of years ago, unfortunately, a lot of it taking place during COVID when people couldn't yeah. be at the track, but his astounding Met Mile win and just the success that that horse had. And he's now uh, a new stallion. Can you reflect a little bit back on him and just what winning those kind of big marquee races that he did were like? Well, that, 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 of course, you know, everybody dreams of going to Derby. I guess I've owned a horse for 22 years. And you know, like I always say, there's 15,000 horses born and only 20 line up the one time in a race. So, you know, it, it's a dream that you usually don't think you're going to get there. So Vacoma, uh, when we bought Vacoma, uh, Stephen also, my, my bloodstock agent, and George and I were down to sales. And he had a little issue, a, little, a, a slight issue. Where he would have gone for a lot more money. And so, you know, Steve and George and I talked it over and I said, look, I, I, I'm willing to take a chance. I'm willing to take a chance based on what you guys are saying or how talented we think he's going to be. So I bought him and um, I offered him, I, I actually offered him to three, to two other people because at that time I was going partners with the same three people. And uh, one, one of my partners turned me down, the other one didn't. So that, that's, mm -hmm. how we had, that's how we ended up owning that horse. And then he was going very slowly. And to be honest with you, I think that, 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 um, my, my partner, Mike Gaddis, and I, we were putting a little pressure on George because we really thought this horse was good. Mm -hmm. But George, to, 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 his, to, to his credit, would, wouldn't have anything to do with it. He brought that horse along very, very carefully, and he got us to the I – mean, we won the bluegrass, and that horse should, shouldn't be able to go that long. He's a sprinter. I mean, we, we all knew that. He won that on hard alone. And, and the Met Mile, of course, was you know, the, the biggest disappointment in me not to be there when he won the Met Mile because that mm -hmm. was one incredible race. He's actually the fastest son of Candy Ride. Which is amazing. And I remember seeing you at the sales and you said, hey, I've had a lot of success with Candy Ride and uh, this being a prime example of it. And talk a little bit about him and the preference that you have for the stallion and why maybe pedigree kind of stands out for you a bit. Well, I, you know, I, I bought one of the first Candy Rides uh, years ago. In fact, I was, as I was walking out of the sale, a guy from California came to me and said, you know, there was a California who asked me if he could buy the horse. I said, no. But I had no success with that candy ride. And then I, I, I've owned about three or four of them. I've had modest success, uh, modest success with them. Nothing great, but pretty, you know, pretty good. Uh, but I, I, still, I still like him as a sire. I think he's a great, it's mm -hmm. turned out to be a great sire. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do have a preference, especially, especially if you go, if, if you uh, had the year you have it for coma. And, and, mm -hmm. and boy, as a stallion, he is one popular stallion. I'll tell you that. And that was going to be my next question. How has the response been so far? And, you know, sometimes kind of the, the newer stallions, it takes a little bit of time for people to kind of warm up to that. But it seems a lot of people are really interested and really exciting, excited about his offspring so far. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Generally, your first year, people are a little reluctant. He, he, uh, he, he bred to 212 mares his freshman year. He bred to, two two, I think, 230 this year. And, you know, I've, I've got I've – got the farm calling me and asking if, if I'm using all three of my breeding rights because I got three breeding rights when we sold them. So because the book is full, they're overwhelmed, overwhelmed with, with people who want to breed to them. So and and the response so far to sources that are on the ground has been amazing. I mean, he's, he's I sold a couple for seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars. They're beautiful looking horses. They're athletic, and if they got anything like the heart of him, I'm I'm very optimistic. I can't wait to get my horses on, on the yeah. track next year. 
he was a horse I was such a big fan of. And, you know, I think he kind of captured some attention too, because he did paddle a little bit in the way that he had his action and the way that he moved. But like you said, the heart, and, and I think it almost kind of reminds people that sometimes you can't be so critical of an animal physically. A, a lot of the ones that maybe aren't the most correct in everything that they do show a lot on the racetrack, which is when it really matters. You can't tell about heart. But the funny thing is, in case you, when, when he worked out, or he, was in, he, he never paddled. The only time he ever paddled was when he ran. So if you saw, if you saw him work out, he didn't do it. It was, just, it was, it was crazy. The craziest thing we ever saw. And he'd walk straight as an arrow. So I'd, I'd say, I'll take a horse that paddles and runs like him any, every day of the week. <laughs> What's the experience like now being on this side when you have a horse that you had success with and, and seeing him become a stallion? Because that's really kind of the pinnacle is, it has become of the sport and being able to have a horse go on and be successful in the breeding shed as well. Well, you, you feel like his father. <laughs> you're, you're, proud, you're proud of his kids. And you know you're you're proud you're proud to see how well he's done year one. I mean, I, I the, the three I the three I got going to the races uh, next year look beautiful to me. They're now with Steve. They're athletic, no hiccups. I mean, uh, everybody I talked to was born and was thrilled with them. You mentioned Steve Venosa, and he's well known uh, at the, in particular, the two-year-old sales and um, being a really successful consigner. And somebody I know that you've had a really great relationship for a long time. Can you talk a little bit uh, about working with Steve or, or working with any agent to find the horses that you are going to invest in to, to send to the races? Most of the horses I buy through Steve. Recently, mm -hmm. I've, I've had a couple other experiences. But to me, Steve is the most honest, straightforward guy in this game. I mean, you know, he once said to me, he bought a horse and the horse wasn't doing that well. And he said, look, if you want, I'll buy him back. I said, I said, are you kidding? He said, no. He said, if you don't want him, I'll buy him back. So once he told me that, I knew I was with him forever. So uh, I guess if you know my history, I really, you know, I was with George for 20 years before I ever had any other trainer. And I really only had, you know, one, I had, you know a horse with Billy Ma through, through, through uh, Channel Maker. But generally, I'm a pretty loyal guy when it comes to, to trainers and, and budstock agents, you know which I think is a, is kind of rare in this business, but that's, that's the way I was brought up. How did you first get involved uh, with George Weaver? As you mentioned, you've been with him pretty much right from the beginning and getting involved, uh, being so deeply entrenched into this crazy game. This is a, this is a funny story. So I, I, I decided, I, I worked on Wall Street. I did a big deal and I decided I was going to buy two horses, win a race in Saratoga, and I was getting out of the game because I never <laughs> wanted to be an owner because you know, everybody tells you you can't win being an owner. So um, I, I bought a, I bought a horse I bought a horse that I named after after my mother Mabry's boy, and uh, I, I bought him and I'm, I'm going to not mention any names but somebody recommended a training a training couple to me, and there was a a, 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 a wife and, and husband uh, tra trainers, and so I, I gave the horse to them and it was more than a disaster. I mean I just. I mean, I, I could, I, I didn't want to get into the details. It was terrible. It was a very, very, very bad relationship. Very bad. Uh, I didn't feel very comfortable about the way he was training. And so the same person who recommended them to me came to me and said, look, I got somebody else you're going to love. And he said, they're a husband and wife to my swimming. I just went through this. I said, I just went through the husband and wife. We're not doing that again. He said, well, why don't you just meet with the guy? So I met with George and we hit it off right away. I mean, right from the very, very beginning. We, 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 we're, we're, he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, you know, we, we've owned horses together. We've been through, you know, we went through two years where I think I had one winner and I was, I was, I was going to get out of the game, but then I won a $25,000 claim and I put you right back in. <laughs> so, 
So, uh, you know, been with, been with George through all. I'll tell you, when George took over, when he, um, when he, he, he got maybe his boy, and he got him ready, and he said to me, we were down in Florida and went out to dinner, and he was racing in his maiden race the next day. And I said, George, are we going to win? He said, look, I don't think he's going to win tomorrow, but he'll win his next one. So he won by 13 lengths. So I figured I was in good hands. And, and you have been so far, like you said, a, a great relationship with Coma, of course. And we've seen a lot now, too, with George Weaver. I think kind of Bocoma really put him on the map, so to speak, and putting him kind of in some of these bigger races. And we saw him win at Royal Ascot this year and everything, too. And just um, him kind of exploding onto the scene in particular with two-year-olds. What's that journey been like as you and he have kind of grown together? Well, I mean, he, he deserves it. I, mean, I, yeah. I mean, I can't even describe to what winning Ascot was like, and especially the way the way it was won. I mean, you, you, we didn't know if we won. There was no way to know on that, on, that, uh, on, that, on that photo. And the way you're positioned over in Ascot, you really can't tell. You're standing mm -hmm. in the middle of a crowd. It's not, it's not, as, it's not as, it's a great place to, to go, but it's a hard place to watch the races. <laughs> and the funny thing was, as they crossed the finish line, I, I, I looked at George and said, George, I don't know. I can't tell. I heard the announcer go, by God, I think the Americans have got it. Uh. So, <laughs> so I jumped into George's lap. And, <laughs> and you know, that, that, that was an incredible race to win. I think George is, I always think George has done a good job. But as you know, as well as I do, you got to get the horses. And mm -hmm. George was the one that had a big name. And I think Ascot helped him. He's got some, he's got some, some, some pretty good, pretty good names now. He's getting some pretty good, he's basically getting some good horses from me. And so I think George deserves it. I think he's right up there with the top traders. And I think that it's just a matter of the fact that you know, and I know that if you don't have the horses, mm -hmm. you, you, you can't win, no matter how good a trainer you are, no matter how good a jockey you are, it doesn't matter. So I think that George is proving this year what, what, what a good trainer he is. It's so true. And it's been a lot of fun to watch too. And that was an, an unbelievable race and, and really kind of shadow of the wire uh, over there at Alaska, which was amazing and, and great to see the American representation. And you looked very good in your top hat, Randy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, they won't, they won't let you in if you don't have one. But, uh, yeah, I know. That, that, that was an amazing, that was, that was definitely an amazing race. I, and after that race, I said, I'll never complain about a photo again. That was <laughs> Yeah, the racing gods will remember that one for sure. Yeah. Um, of course, you're, you're Kentucky Derby dreaming now with a horse like Doorknock, but I, I know that you love the game and you love the experience of it. Uh, what is that passion like that keeps you coming back? Like you said, even just a, winning a claiming race will kind of suck you right back into it. Well, you know, some, some people go fishing, some people play golf, some people own boats. Uh, I, I own horses. And to me, there's nothing like it because there's no, a boat doesn't make you feel like you do when you win a big race or if you win any race. Mm -hmm. So you've got an exciting time and something to look forward to. And, you know, uh, I, I, I've been going to races. My, my mother took me to races when I was like 12 years old to Monmouth mm -hmm. Park. She used to bet six and three and three and six and a double every day, every day in the summer. So I, I've been at it a long time. And, and, I, and you're right. I, I love the game. It's exciting. I love the people I've met in this game. Mm -hmm. People like you, people like, people like some of my partners, you know, Mike Rapoli, Chris Mara. You know, Rich Patino, those are people I would never get to meet. And you meet some wonderful people in this game. The owners are, are, are really great people. And they're, they're, I'm, I'm proud to be friends with those people. And you get that through, 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 uh, through horse racing. Horse racing is, is the greatest game there is. There's, there's no doubt about it. I've had a lot of fun interviews with you and your partners in the winner's circle uh, on the Naira circuit. And like you said, those partnerships, and you often do partner with other people on horses. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe why it makes sense financially, but also, like you said, the experience of getting to share it with another group? Well, it, 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 you know, I, 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 I remember, I remember I was once talking to a and I said something about a partner. He said, you only get a partner when, when you're, when you ask him to dance. 
<laughs> so now, so you know, he's he's takes partners now too for the first time, and I take part. I started taking partners soon after that. One, one, one of the reasons is is the expenses because when you're losing and and all you're doing is getting bills and not not get not getting any any uh, any uh, winning any prize money, it gets to be an enormously expensive game. I mean, really, it gets to be and it wears on you, and it's depressing because all you're doing is writing out checks and you're not getting any of the thrill of the game. But then you come back and you win a race or two and you're right in it. And the last the last two or three years, I've had just, I mean, I, I, for a guy my a stable my size, I think I've had incredible success in, in the races I've won and the horses that, I, that I've been associated with. And I, I just say, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky and I've got a good, good group of people around me. But you also need luck in this game, as you, mm. you know it as well as I do. And you've had a champion too, and a horse like Channel Maker, who you touched on. And I, I wanted to ask about him because I know that he became a, a fan favorite. I think by virtue of A, the fact that he always showed up, and B, that he ran for such a long time on the racetrack. It's so rare, as we know nowadays, to have a horse that, that you keep seeing year after year in these big races. I mean, how many trips did he make to the Breeders' Cup? Six. That's amazing. I mean, he was the coolest horse I ever owned. I mean, he gave you everything he had all the time. He had one way of running. And you, you talk about Macoma paddling. Well, 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 Channel Maker yep. threw his head so high in the air, you thought he was going to throw the bit out of his mouth. I mean, you, you, the first, sometimes the first time a jockey would run, they couldn't ride him. So you had to get a jockey that fit him. Because if you tried to pull him in like that, he wouldn't run. But he was, he was, it was great for him to get, you know, to, to get that championship. Um, and I, it was great to have a championship for us. I also believe from the bottom of my part, and I said that, I swore I was going to say this to you today, but I also believe Okoma was the champion spinner that year too. And he, he did so many good things on the racetrack as well. And um, like I said, just a horse like Channel Maker to see it was just so cool. six just trips cool to the horse. Breeders' Cup, just amazing. It was a cool horse. And you know, when I saw him get off the, get off the van, we took a video when he got off the van and was sending him up for, to the retirement home. He looks just as good as he did the day he went onto the track. I mean, mm-hmm. Billy Mott kept him kept him at the top of his game for so we kept saying let's retire and billy would say god he loves what he's doing he loves working out he's doing great let's give him one more chance so we always we always kind of got sucked into it and he never he never disappointed us even, even when he didn't win i was always proud of him i, I would see him uh walking through bill's shed row and he always stood out and you could always kind of spot him out of who it was and bill would say hey grandpa and, and i just loved <laughs> that it was he was like a member of the family so to speak yeah, he was He's yeah. who's one you won't forget. Yeah, absolutely. And such a cool horse. And you've had so many wonderful winners and an exciting year to come, I think. And we're we'll looking forward to following all of it. I'm sure I'll see you in the paddock in the winner's circle again soon. But Randy, best of luck with the three-year-old season for Doorknock. And thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I do hope you do see me in the winner's circle <laughs> sooner than later with Doorknock. Thanks again, Akash. You do a great job. And we all appreciate your work. Thank you so much, Randy. And that wraps up another episode of In the Ring. Big thank yous uh, to Randy Hill. A lot of fun having that conversation and have a horse to follow into the next year is an exciting newly turned three-year-old in less than a month. But um, I think I'll have one more episode for the end of the year to kind of wrap things up. And that'll be out before Christmas holidays, before the end of the year for sure. And uh, kind of looking ahead once again to some more exciting things at the start of the year. And then we'll be back with some 2024 action which is 
pretty crazy, pretty exciting, but I want to say a huge thank you to everybody that's continued to listen, to share this podcast. Um, as always, don't forget to sign up in the Money Media newsletter. Check out their website for all of the wonderful content from my colleagues over there. And a big thank you to everybody who has said such nice comments to me throughout the year um, on some of the guests that I've had on, on, on some of the uh, different topics that we've covered on this show. I really enjoyed it. And I think it's a fun kind of different side of the world of racing. So I'll see you next time. Like I said, one more probably before the end of the year to wrap up 2023. And I'll see you next time in the ring.